This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. We are in Exodus chapter six, and we're going to actually finish the chapter today, even though we have a lot of verses to cover, and mainly because, mainly because the, the section that we're in has a somewhat of a genealogy. It's not really a genealogy. It's just a description of the different tribes of Israel that God is going to deliver out of Egypt. But it's sandwiched in between God's command and God's command and Moses's. The best way for me to say it is Moses is whining and uh, Moses is continuing to beat a drum that God's already addressed. And so many times in our own lives, we beat a drum that God's already addressed in our heart, and we continue to use that as an excuse, a reason, some kind of open door that we feel like God has given us to say that we can't do his will, or maybe a something that we consider a legitimate reason why we're not going to do what God's told us to do. That's what's going on with Moses, and it's hilarious in light of this conversation if it were a conversation, I'm not sure it is, but if it were a conversation, it would be fabulously funny because <clears throat> the Lord says in verse 11, he says, go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of this country. Now notice in verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, if the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me? Since I speak with faltering lips. Notice, it's really whining. It, it is, it is really, it's unbecoming. <laughs> he does it right here after they've already gone to Egypt. <clears throat> they've already addressed Pharaoh. He thinks that the reason Pharaoh didn't listen to him is because he has an uncircumcised tongue, which means that's what faltering lips is translated from. It's, it means that he doesn't speak well. He thinks that he didn't convince Pharaoh because of the nature of his speech. He thought, he thinks that uh, polish and grandeur matter more than truth and purpose. And I'm going to tell you this, of all the people that I listen to regularly, as far as thinkers, pastors, preachers, I'm probably, as far as eloquence, the least. That being said, I, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to do what God's told me to do because I understand that the truth and passion, purpose, direction in that truth is more effective than eloquence and polish. And I say that because God's truth is abiding. It's deep. It resonates within the hearts of men. Even the most polished of lies seem hollow in people's hearts, even though it might make them get them fired up in the moment. Over long periods of time, it does not resonate because, because lies 
ultimately cause a person to question themselves, question who they are. And what Moses is saying here is, it's not that I didn't tell Pharaoh exactly what you said that caused the problem. He's making an excuse. He's saying, it's because I don't speak well that Pharaoh's not listening to me and the children of Israel are not listening to me. And God knows that's not the case. The reason that Pharaoh did not listen, the reason they're in the situation that they're in at the moment is because Moses didn't tell Pharaoh what God told Moses to say. And so notice, Moses makes this plea to God. He says, if the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me since I speak with faltering lips? And you know what God says? Nothing. And you need to hear this. Your excuses to God about his will for your life will be addressed at the beginning. But once they've been addressed, they oftentimes will be addressed no more. God's not going to continue to reason with you. You ever seen a child in a grocery store and mom or dad is trying to buy groceries and the child keeps whining about wanting something and they keep whining over and over again about it and the parents keep placating them and keep telling them why they're not going to get it and trying to reason with the child and you're sitting there as you're going through because it is really irksome and annoying and you're sitting there saying tell the child the answer is no and end it and if the child can't handle that then the child needs to understand what discipline is. And we don't want to do that because we can't have that in our society. That may be the case for the prim and proper woman who comes up and says, you shouldn't speak ugly to that child. I'm going to deal with some very ugly things and have been dealing with them yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Very ugly things. And their result they're the result of children not being told no, children not being directed what is right and wrong. And when I say ugly things, I'm talking about sexual assault among children that are not teenagers. I'm talking about ugly things that are the result of parents' unwillingness or inability to say no, unwillingness or inability to discipline. And let me say this about God. God's done heard this from Moses. That's the best way for me to say it here in South Alabama. He done heard that enough from Moses, okay? God is not listening to this whining anymore. Do what you're supposed to do is what is happening here. So, Mo, so notice, verse 13, God doesn't deal with that. What does he say? Now, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron about the Israelites and Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he commanded them to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Notice God says to Moses, go get the Israelites and bring them out of Egypt. There's not a reasoning with Moses. And you say, why wouldn't God reason with him? Because let me get this clear. As far superior a parent is to a child in reasoning and understanding, God is billions of times greater than that with us. 
And so the fact that he does reason with us, the fact that he is willing to come down and be intimate with us, the fact that he is willing to teach us and to tell us and to grow us is it's evidence of how great a God he is, that he loves us enough that he would reason with us. But he's not going to allow us to go back to four years old and continue to badger about things that are irrelevant. He said, go tell Pharaoh to let my people out of Egypt. And by the way, this is how I want it done. These were the heads of the fair families. He says, the sons of Reuben, verse 14. And he tells all Hanuk and Polo and Hezron and Carmi and the sons of Simeon, verse 15, <clears throat> were there are several of them. Remember, I'm dyslexic. I'm not really good with names. These were the names of the sons of Levi, according to their records. Gershon, Gohath, Moriah, Levi lived 137 years. Notice, it explains the number of years Levi lived. That's something that you need to see because not all of them get their numbers. The sons of Gershon by clans, Libni, Shimni, that's 17. The sons of Kohan were Ebron, Uziel. Notice Kohath lived 133 years. The sons of Mirari, Malil, Mushi, these were the clans of Levi according to their records. Amram married his father's sister, Jochebed, who bore him Aaron and Moses. Now we know who Aaron and Moses' mother was. Her name was Jochebed, and we know their father's name was Amram. These are the sons of Ezar, Korah. Notice, these are the sons of Uzael, verse 22. Aaron married Elizabeth, daughter of, and it tells who Aaron married. The sons of Korah were Aser, Eleazar, sons of Aaron, Married one of the daughters of Putiel. This is verse 24. Eleazar, son of Aaron, married one of the daughters of Putel, and she bore him Pinhas. These were the heads of the Levites' family by clan. Notice, God goes into, I want you to lead the children of Israel out, and here are your family that this is affecting. Isn't that what he's saying here? He goes through this genealogy, Basically, and the basic genealogy that he's going through is he is explaining how God is going to bring out not only the Israelites, but he's going to bring out your specific family, Levi, out of bondage. And that's his answer to it. His answer to it is, this is best for my purposes, and this is best for your family. Do what I told you to do. And that's what this whole genealogy is all about. Now, we learn a lot about it, and we can use this information later on as we find out about things that happen along the journey and all that. And I'll probably at times be taking you back to this so that you can see who's who and what's what as we go out of Egypt. But the truth is God saying to it in verse 26, it was this Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. They were the ones who spoke to Pharaoh king about bringing the Israelites out of Egypt. This saying Moses and Aaron, notice God is saying, this is past tense. God is saying to them, I am doing this. I am doing this with you. Get busy doing it. That's sometimes difficult. That's sometimes difficult to deal with. What for me, this resonates heavily because for me, I understand when God says, go do what I told you to do. And it is, a, it is a very comforting and powerful thing because I can trust God. I can trust in his grace and his mercy and his love. 
but I can also trust in his wisdom and his purpose. And both of those things ultimately are going to lead to me seeing and understanding life better. And so I need to be about doing what he told me to do so that I can tap into that wisdom, so that I can tap into that purpose. The wisdom of the ages is God. He is the source of all truth. He is the source of all understanding. And what needs to happen is I need to trust him. I need to hear him. I need to see him. And I need to open my heart up and allow him to speak to me. And God says, this is the way it's going to happen. Quit trying to change my purposes and my will because I'm going to do this. Verse 28 says, now when the Lord spoke to Moses in Egypt, he said to him, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I tell you. Notice, finally, he's addressed the issue. You tell him what I told you. You don't make it up yourself. And oftentimes I find that pastors, teachers get upset that people are not doing or not being or not becoming. And then I listen, and the truth is they spend most of their time not dealing directly with the Scripture, the Word of God, the truth. And, and let me tell you something. Even if you don't believe that, and I believe most of them don't believe what I'm about to say, that that God's Word is past or it's stale or it doesn't have resonance in modern times, listen to me. If you don't spend most of your time focused on what God is saying, focused on His Word when you're teaching, when you're preaching, when you're talking about things of importance with the church— you send the signal, you send the message that what God has to say is not relevant for today. And let me say this, you diminish yourself when you do that. You diminish yourself because God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. And if God is all-powerful and all-knowing, that means his, he's timeless. And if that means he's timeless, that means he lives in all ages at the same time. And he lives in all situations at the same time. And he has power over all those situations at the same time. And so it is impossible that a all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent, timeless God would not be relevant in any moment of his creation. It's, it's impossible that be the case. And so... When you approach God's word, you must approach it as if it is the most significant thing that you're talking about, because it is. And when you're dealing with other people, you need to, especially those who have a quickening of the spirit, they, they believe, they, they've heard, and the word of God resonates with them. You need to give them God's truth primarily. Sure, we can add stories. I have my own stories. I joke around. I have a good time when I'm dealing with God's Word because I believe God's Word is a source of joy and strength, and I think it definitely digs down and gets down to the very core of who we are, and so oftentimes it's going to be very personal, and you do want to tell those personal things, and sometimes you want to tell the big stories of history, and I love those things too, but all those things need to orbit around the primary thing which is God's truth and God's word. And when God says something, that's the important thing. And it is timeless. It is relevant for today. 
It has purpose in the hearts of individuals. It changes, it grows, it becomes, it is health to a society, it's health to a church, and it's health to the individual. And so if we're going to be who we need to be, we must, as believers, as leaders in the church, as God's people, we must continue to allow the Word of God, the truth of what God has to say, understand and allow God to show it to you, seek out the wise in their teaching out there that are teaching truth in deep ways and showing you how it works in the universe and showing you how it's relevant in the lives of individuals today. We need to speak those things full-throated, full-hearted, and tell people exactly what the truth is. Because let me tell you something, it is still relevant today. And for the godless, they're never going to listen anyway. So don't try to order or make what you're saying seem okay to them because it's never going to be okay. By definition, they are without God. They're godless. And if they're godless and they are totally rejecting of who he is, they're never going to be on our side. Apostle John said, do not love the world or anything of the world. For if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. And we need the relevance of the love of the Father in us. It's intensely relevant for today. We need that. And so I would say to you, as you study God's word and as you teach God's word, that you focus on God's word and its importance and its pointed nature and its relevance to God's people in the hour that we live in. Verse 28, he says again, and I want you to hear it. Now, when the Lord spoke to Moses in Egypt, he said to him, He's already told him this on the mountain outside of Egypt. I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I tell you. But Moses said to the Lord, since I speak with faltering lips, why would Pharaoh listen to me? That is the conundrum of the church. It always has been. It's the conundrum of individual believers. It always has been. Are we going to hear what God says in verse 28 and 29? Or are we going to make excuses? like Moses did in verse 30. I choose 28 and 29. What about you? I hope you'll choose God's will and God's way first, even above your own. Even above your own. I hope you'll do that each and every day. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.